2: Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Welcome to episode 10. We're 10 weeks in and we've got uh, special guests today. We always have special guests, but uh, I'm excited to have two of you in at the same time. And uh, Thanks for coming in on the same day. I don't know if you guys are sick of stealing each other's thunder or whatever. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have Nick and Alex Halloran, two, uh, two local players, Utah-born players who, who played Division 1. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna go on a tour with them and ex- explore all the ways. We were just talking about it. People want to know uh, what you did growing up and how you made it out of Utah. So first off, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us, Jay. Yeah,
1: we're excited about it.
2: Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you. And uh, you know, I I'm not a journalist, but I, I I saw an article on Facebook one time, and I I perused through it, and it said stuff about being a journalist, and I'm supposed to offer disclosure anytime that i have a personal relationship with those that i'm interviewing but in the hockey world it seems like it, in utah you're gonna know everybody that you interview anyway so yeah. uh full disclosure like i've coached you when you're a little guy alex you work my camp for forever yeah so uh we've got that out of the way now um alex let's start with you you're how old are you now i'm uh, 28 years old now 28 years old yeah that makes me so old um <laughs> Let's talk about uh, growing up with you. You guys, uh, how old were you guys when you got the rink in your yard? Rink in the
1: yard was 11 or 12, I think.
2: Yeah. I, I was 2002-ish? Yeah. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, though. That was, that yeah, was so it
1: was, cool. It was great. We'd always have, you know, hundreds of kids over at a time. Yeah. For, a rink with a capacity for maybe five but <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it was, where it all started though you know yeah it's where you start to love it
2: yeah and so Alex um how old were you when you started playing I was eight years old when I
1: started playing so I was thinking about this this morning because I had a feeling I'd be asked this question and uh, I was at Challenger elementary school and I don't know if anyone out there knows the name Nate Hoffelmeyer but he's actually the one that got me started in hockey so thanks Nate
2: nice yeah um well that's always good to throw throw some uh love to whoever started you in hockey yep. and you're eight years old you start playing hockey so it wasn't in your family before this
1: never now so my whole family had played football baseball basketball okay. the traditional sports yeah all
2: right um so you you start playing hockey and uh like what's your first team you start off with rec yeah
1: uh house league i think was what it was called i'm not sure if right house league. What it is. yeah and uh First practice was up at Bountiful, or it was, gosh, might. So they bring everyone up and skate you around, and then they kind of sort you by like A, B, C, and D, I think, and then they break you up in a team. So I don't even remember the name of my first team, <laughs> but I know Mike Higgs coached it. Oh, nice. But,
2: yeah. Nice. Very nice. Uh, what's about, what about your uh, your first travel team? When did you start realizing that you were going to be good and start playing travel?
1: It was after the first year I was asked to play for the Grizzlies. Yeah, the Grizzlies. And uh just you know, had no idea what I was gonna end up doing or what to expect and ended up playing for the Grizzlies and
2: kinda ran with it. Okay. Yeah. And so Nick, you're as you're growing up, your older brother's now playing hockey and now you just you follow his footsteps? Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean if Nate never would have told Alex <laughs> to <that they're> play <laughs> I would be here. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just kind of followed suit. Like, I did all the, the sports and stuff, but uh, I think just watching Alex do it, I idolized him a lot. You know, he's a great older brother, and I kind of wanted to do what he was doing. So okay, I just cool. picked
2: it up. Okay, so um, this it, it is just such a cool story. And, and, Alex, obviously, at some point you realize you, you have an opportunity to play college hockey. I don't I don't want to skip. Where did you play? So, you started playing for the Utah Junior Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. At some point, do you have to leave the house? Yeah.
1: So, I left the house. I went to, first time leaving was Shattuck St. Mary's. I uh, did that for a year. It was a good experience. I was on pretty much the best team in the world, I think, at the time for <laughs> Bantams.
2: Uh, Who was on that team? Are there names we'd know? <sighs>
1: Knoten. There are names, a lot of names. You know, there Out of that team, there's only two people that are playing in the NHL or that have played in the NHL. But, like, David Tays, or, uh, yeah, is that his name, David Tays? John? Which, what's the older one? Jonathan? John, yeah. His younger brother, David, was on the team. Um, Kevin Connaughton, who plays for the Stars right now, I think, or maybe. Okay. Yeah, there, there are a lot of players, probably none that you'd know, though, or that most
2: people would know. So typically, that Bantam team or the prep team goes uh, like fifty and one. fifty wins and one loss yeah, over the year.
1: We had three or two or th- two losses, and one was in the national championship game and triple over or double overtime on yeah. a dump, crazy yeah. on a dump. Yeah. Guy dumped it.
2: A- <laughs> <laughs> oh no way! Yeah, that's the kind of game I would lose. Yeah, but
1: that was the first time I left. I was thirteen, and then I came back after that year and did four years of high school here, and then ended up leaving again. So. so
2: you played at which high school? Juan Diego. Juan Diego. Juan okay, Diego. and then obviously you're not just playing at Juan Diego. While you're here, no, I was also playing for. At the
1: time, they were the Regulators under Ricard. Gronberg, oh yeah.
2: So, well, rumors is or rumors are, yeah, that uh, Ricard's going to be possibly an NHL coach here pretty soon.
1: That's what I'm hearing. Wouldn't surprise me. He's an unbelievable coach. Yeah, fantastic so, coach.
2: Yeah, that organization. Has really grown. And I, I just want to throw this in here, too. Uh, I'll pump, pump my own tire and, and Phil mm-hmm. Snyder's tire and uh, and uh, Matt Green and Levi Clegg and all this other Shattuck. Uh, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of them. I only <laughs> did, I only did uh, three quarters of a year there. But when, when we were there, we were paving the way for you guys to be good because we weren't – Shattuck wasn't that good back then. I mean, we were – it was fun. It was a good prep school. But we yeah. weren't – we weren't going 50-1 on the year. You guys
1: were laying the foundation for yeah. future teams. We were doing all the hard work, taking all the lumps. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> then the young guys just come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Take all the glory. All right, so you, uh, you come back to Utah. And uh, for me, and uh, tell me if this is the same for you, uh, just in the, the time that I was at Shattuck, I went from, I went from Murray High mm-hmm. to Shattuck St. Mary's for most of a season where at Murray High we practiced on Monday nights. Yeah, <laughs> was... like 11.30 p.m. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes we got the ice on Friday nights, yeah. and had um, to miss all of our dances or whatever. But We, <laughs> well, when I, we had one practice a week mm-hmm. and one game a week. And then all of a sudden you go to a team like that or an organization like that where you have a ton of ice time. You're, yeah. you're skating every day. And uh, then you come back to Utah, and you've grown 10 seasons – In in the course of a year, right? Because you've got so much more ice time than everybody else here. Is that what you felt? You came back. You had to have been a standout player to go from here to Shattuck. But when you come back, are you?
1: Yeah, so I, I, you know, Levi was the one who said, hey, you know, you're pretty good. You might want to start looking elsewhere to go play. And so he obviously threw that out. You know, he went there. Um, So I went to Shattuck. I made their best team. And while I was a standout everywhere else you know I was a big fish in a little pond I was kind of the average player on the team um, but I, I did grow like you said you know you can have ice time whenever you want you can go skate at 3 in the morning if a, you, know, the inclination strikes you so I came back and I'd grown a lot and um, I think my game had developed a lot further than I expected it and further than anybody was really at at my age in Utah so when I came back i Felt like I had a pretty significant advantage for
2: a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, I'd imagine. Okay, so now you've played, and you, you're you're finishing up high school here. What's your next choice, juniors?
1: Juniors. Yeah, I was just deciding where to play juniors. Ended up going to British Columbia.
2: So. And what team were you with there? I was with the Couch and Valley Capitals for two years. Two years. I yeah. Didn't, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And for some reason, I thought you played Salmon Arm. No. Well, I would have loved to play at San Bernard. Couching was a good spot. Good yeah. fans. Well, it worked yeah. for you, right? Yeah, it's, it worked. And, and now this is this is the part that I think is so cool. Um, how many universities were you talking to at that time? Talking over the course
1: of two years. I don't know. You probably touch on 20 of them, 30 of them a lot. But the ones that you know opportunities actually pan out for you, probably five
2: to ten. Okay. And now... You still have to, in the back of your mind, have a hope that you're going to go play in the NHL or play pro at some level. That's,
1: yeah, you know, that's everyone's dream. Right. And I think the older you get, the more you start to realize or, you know, figure out how close you actually are to, you know, attaining that. Okay. Uh, that was always my goal, but there was a goal that I had placed, uh, you know, higher importance on, and that was just getting a good education first, so... And then um,
2: well, you go to one of the top colleges in the country.
1: Yeah, which was so it ended up working out both ways. I right. Guess.
2: Yeah. But and and for those people who don't understand and and Alex goes and plays. You you pick Air Force. You pick the Air Force Academy. And <laughs> yeah. And with <laughs> humble humble <laughs> humble brag, humble brag, yeah. No, hum. But with that comes the 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 end of the NHL dream, right? Because well, after the two year. After two years. So you play there, and you have the opportunity to walk away at two years, correct? Yeah. yeah. So after your second year, you can bounce if you want with uh,
1: zero obligation to pay anything back and or serve.
2: Right. And then if you commit after that part, part, then the NHL dream or any professional hockey dream has got to be done because – for those that don't know, if you commit after the second year, you sign your name on that paper. They have a big day at on, on the beginning of your third year, Damn. and you commit, cool. and you say, I'm going to serve, and I don't know what it was then, but I think it's always been the same. Five years? Five. Plus yeah. three reserve. Two reserve. Two reserve, all right. Reserve now. It's three reserve now for the Army. Is it? I, don't, I don't know if, it, if it, all academies have the same, but it, that's a huge commitment, and that's obviously the only way you get out of that is if the president— Writes you a letter and says, hey, I think Alex should play in the NHL if he's going to get drafted. Yeah. He didn't do that, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) 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 But they actually – this is interesting. They just changed that rule. So if you have the opportunity to go play professional in any sport or go to the Olympics – well, the Olympics they've always kind of catered to. They have a special program uh, where you don't have to serve. You can just go train and then perform in the Olympics. Um, But I think it was – a year or two years ago they just changed up uh how they did it and if you have an opportunity they let you go. Really? So that's exciting.
2: The uh Army just had a guy last year that was supposed to go in the first round of the NFL draft, but they said he had to have a waiver from the president. He said he wouldn't take it anyway because he was so really? oora. That's interesting. He was ready right. to go straight to the straight to serve. Interesting. Wow. Well, I'm so sure I don't, his I don't know. I mean, changed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather. I mean, if you had the opportunity to make millions of dollars, it seems like you could hit that part of your career, you know, later. But yeah, mm-hmm. go back and serve and put put a few million in the bank. But I don't know. But anyway, so uh, tell us about playing at Air Force. What what was that like? And uh, you know, you obviously you're playing NCAA Division One athletes, and you're you're on a good team. You have a you're a really good schedule.
1: Yeah. Uh, so my freshman year, I walked in, and our team was – we had an awesome team. Um, we made it to the national tournament that year, lost to BC 2-1. to one. They ended up winning. Um, Air Force was difficult. It was a grind. I mean, you're up. I, I can't even – we have 40 minutes on this podcast. I'd need about three weeks to touch on everything. But yeah. it's a grueling schedule, as you know. Yeah. I mean, your daughter's going through it. so. Uh, you know, you wake up, do military stuff, you go to class all day, and then you go down, and then you have a workout, and then you skate for two hours, and then you yeah. got to go back up and crush all the homework that you were given during the day. So it was it was a long – it's a long grind.
0: The game's got to be a good release, though.
1: Yes, but <laughs> yeah. you do uh, – you know, you put some perspective in your life, and you start to appreciate the things that you kind of took for granted. So – it had it's positives and it's negatives. Yeah,
2: I, I can only imagine. And, and and listening, like we always had a lot of respect for what you went through, and I, I especially did. And, and hearing that you'd picked Air Force Academy was, you know, I, I, I spent that. many hours in in the stands with your father, and when you were <laughs> yeah. going through those choices, and he was just so proud of you know the fact that one that you could get into a school like that. That's, I mean, that's it's not easy. And uh Took the ACT six, seven <laughs> times. I think so. <laughs> for all you kids out there, you can do it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Uh, that was five times. Literally, yeah. the uh, the army told my daughter, "They're like, this is what you have to get on the ACT." So she went and took the ACT, got that score, and she's like, "Okay, I'm done." Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: some people are privileged like
2: that. I mean, that's just you know, I I think that's a lot of those people in those academies. They have to be that way. They have to, you know, obviously you have to be cut above as far as being smart so now now you've played and now you're in the air force what, what do you do now
1: oh well i'm actually out of the air force now fortunately so i'm back here as of you know a couple months ago um but that was a big transition i was put in stationed in la doing program management for the air force satellite network uh they put me in and division called the STO which is the Space Training Acquisition Office sorry a lot of acronyms thrown your way um but basically they build the video game trainer that you, all the space operators uh train on before they fly the satellites around because oh, so you can't just put someone on a computer and be like all right have fun with this thing it's you know 10 billion dollars don't mess it up so you were
2: you were Space Force before Trump made Space Force I was space I yeah I was the original Space
1: Force yeah
2: that's awesome i know <laughs> All right. Well, that's. I mean, that's just so amazing. It was yeah. fun to watch. And, and by the way, I think those are the best jerseys. And like, Air Force Did has. Have some yeah, threads, some yeah. of the uniforms you guys throw out are just amazing. Yeah. All right, Nick. Let's talk about you. So you you grow up. You uh, you watch Alex play, and you jump in, and uh, you start with the junior Grizzlies as well.
0: Uh, No, I did not. I started with house as well, and then I think I jumped over to the Renegades or the Regulators or whatever it was at the time. And I just kind of played double-A hockey until I kind of had the same talk with my parents that maybe I should start to look elsewhere. And so then the possibility of going to Colorado uh, arised, and I went and tried out, and I made the team, and, and then I started playing over there. So what team were you with? Over there, in Colorado. Yeah. Uh. So I started out with the U15 Thunderbirds. Okay. And then the next year I got cut from the U16 Thunderbirds, and it was that. like yeah. my world had just crashed and it ended, and it was actually probably one of the best things that ever could have happened to me, because it kind of just made me battle some adversity, and um, so I decided to go and play for the Colorado Rampage, which is just in the Springs instead of um, Denver. Had a great year with them, and then I stuck with them one more year to play U18s, and I really appreciated my time down there. They did a great job, and then I went up to the BC, kind of just following the same footsteps. Yeah, it really was. So. Let's see, so you end up in Colorado Springs. Up, all right, so uh, BC, what team? Um, Trail Smoke Eaters. Trail, yeah. I think they had like five thousand people in the town. Yeah, maybe. Those so. are some of
2: the best towns to play in, though. Yeah, no, they For love sure. their
0: hockey there, but boy, there was nothing to do. So.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. So you, you play for Tro, and now how many universities are you talking to? Um, I was
0: <laughs> ironically committed to the Air Force Academy as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think part of that was just, um, I mean, I thank Frank for everything he's done for me and you know, they're, they're a great organization school there, but, um, that lifestyle just wasn't really for me, so... That's,
2: people don't understand.
0: You give up your life. Yeah, you really do. It's it's all day, every day. They basically control what you're doing, and, um, I mean, it's a great career afterwards, but it's a tough lifestyle to live, and yeah. I wasn't ready for that, and I think I committed young, just like kind of thinking, I just want to play a bit more hockey. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get another offer. Yeah, like, I need to
1: get there as soon as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, every route's different, and I chose to take a different one, um, so I decommitted, and, uh, like, I think I talked to—I didn't talk to, I don't think, I as many schools as you, but I think I talked to, like, six, seven schools, and then one or two of them actually panned out. Okay. So I uh, was talking to, like, Brown, um, Colorado College, Cornell, and CC just kind of seemed like the best fit. So you're no dummy. Like, you're you're looking
2: at big schools, too.
0: Uh, I mean, I'm not—
2: I wouldn't He's say I'm smart, <laughs> but
0: grades are fairly average as long as you just, you know, 3-5 and above. I think you can yeah, that's not average. S- squirm your way on any school, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Well, and that's, that's amazing. I did not know that you were looking at some of the, the Ivy League schools. Yeah. Again, I...
1: You went on a visit, I think, to a couple of
2: them, right? I went on a visit to Brown, and they were just kind of snooty towards me, so
0: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really like it.
2: You're, well... And Ane there. You guys are the same age, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. on the same yeah, yeah. teams.
0: Ane says he loves it there, and um, I could see how he would. It's like an incredible school. The facilities are awesome, but um, I just wasn't getting the right vibe from him, so uh, I went a different direction.
2: Well, that's fair. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's funny because I don't know what goes into deciding uh, when you're 17, 18 years old. How do you pick? Where you're going to play, you know, because this is this is it. Either they have your major. A lot of a lot of athletes don't think about what am I going to major in. They think how good is the team going to be. Yeah, but you got to have that chemistry too, right? You got to have that. There's got to be some kind of a, an emotional connect with the university.
0: Definitely, I think a lot of things play into it, like reputation, kind of what your parents think, what everyone's kind of telling you. You take
2: all this information in and try to spit out the best answer. All right. So now your your freshman year. At, what year are you now? I'm a junior. You're a junior this season. So your freshman year comes. Um, you you had a decent freshman year.
0: Yeah, I think I had like nine points. It was a whirlwind. It was ridiculous. The conference that I'm in, it's every weekend you don't you're playing a top ten team, and yeah. so I just remember my head spinning off in the D zone every game and. Um, was that
1: because of the concussion or? Of the concussion?
0: <laughs> no, it was. It was just the the other teams were just so. It's such an adjustment towards college, and they're so fast, and you just got to make qu- decisions so much quicker. And um, it was, it was fun, but it, it was tough. Like, okay, we
2: w- only won like six, seven games that year. So did you make a huge commitment to yourself over the that off season between your freshman and sophomore year to just work harder? We hear that from a lot of guys that come back, like. Daniel talks about how he made the commitment to himself to lose weight and be stronger. And.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think I've always been a pretty consistent like, hard worker off the ice. I don't think much changed besides me playing more hockey, which is interesting. Like, I played way more hockey than I did in the past summers, last summer, and I honestly think I just got better at hockey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just had more confidence going into the second season also, and just... Just kind of panned out for me. So it's more time on ice
1: versus off ice. Yeah, for sure. That's and interesting because a lot of a lot of people just
2: want to take a complete yeah. break. Like I know yeah. tons of the pros are like, uh, "I'm taking a couple weeks completely off, and then I'm going to slowly start building back into the season." Mm-hmm. And I re- I remember you. I mean, you jump right back into it. You help me with my camps. You're on the ice all the time with yeah. those kids. And uh, but then your sophomore year, you're like, <laughs> "When did you find out that you were nominated for the Hobie?"
0: Uh I'm not sure. I think around, like, January. It was, uh... Mm, yeah, like, around now, January-ish, I had a couple pretty big weekends, and um, confidence was flowing, my my line was clicking, and <laughs> we just couldn't stop scoring. So, <laughs>
1: That's a good problem. You gotta nominate this kid. Yeah,
0: no, no, so it went pretty well. And, our t- like, the bounces were going our way, like, the, the team bounces were going our way, we were getting wins when we probably shouldn't have, and um I think that had a lot to do with my personal confidence.
2: All right. So, how far how well did the team do that year? What was your how Last far year, did you guys go? We
0: were like I think we were like 500, but uh we beat Denver first game of playoffs and then they it was 2-1 going into the third period of the second game and it's a three game series and um in my opinion there was a kick goal okay. like most blatant kick I've <laughs> ever seen and um, that doesn't go in. Maybe it goes a little differently, but they end up winning that game 3-2, to two, and then they beat us the next night. So uh-huh. that's as far as we No went. video review in college that year? There what? was plenty of video review, uh-huh. but I think it was uh, a little home field advantage. All maybe. right. Not bitter, though? Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, can't can't, can't do anything about it now. How so. We can't blame you. But so um, it, it was so cool to all to be in Utah. And the way I found out about it is I get a I get an email, and it says – Hey, Daniel Brickley's been nominated for the Hobie Baker. And I'm like, for those of people that don't know, the Hobie Baker is like the Heisman Trophy for hockey players. So uh, saying that you are the best player in college hockey that year. So I get get an email about Daniel, and I'm scrolling through it, and... (laughs) There's there's a picture <laughs> of you and I'm like how, you, I'm like, how sneak in there? I'm like whoa, there's two Utah players. That's unheard of. Yeah, that I is mean, unheard of. I mean we and first off to have two brothers that played Division One college hockey, is the Connor Walchucks are the only Utah brothers that that and, and Steve didn't play Division One, but because uh, he went to the Dub and then but Brian played at Denver, and uh, was a high draft pick, but decided to be an eye surgeon or something i can't remember exactly what he did but he he picked to not go to the nhl and to make money over a lot of years instead of just a couple years good for him but to have you guys come out like to have two guys out of utah um nominated for the hobie the first year was it did you know right away that daniel was one of the other nominees Um, i
0: didn't even know i was nominated until he (laughs) Snapchat me (laughs) and said hey man congrats i'm like on what and so that's kind of how I found out. Um, but really? yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that he was nominated. He's a stud, and uh, he was really good for him last year. And yeah, uh, good yeah. year for him. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was cool. It was a special experience. Like me and him are good buddies. So for him, for me to see him have that success, it was it was really cool. I'm super happy for him, and I think it goes both ways. Like we were both like it was cool to see someone from Utah doing big things. Yeah,
2: and that's for for the rest of us in Utah. It was just. We were so proud of you guys, and it was such an honor to see uh, Utah kids doing well. And then, of course, I'm going to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I coached him when he was little. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably, I'm probably the reason. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I mean, it, it, was, it was amazing to see. And then one of my follow-up questions to that is, we, we, we were talking about this before we went on the air, is that um, for a lot of the other guests that we've had on the show, uh, Daniel included, Daniel talks about how he was out of shape, he was pudgy, he you know, <laughs> probably didn't have the best work ethic. Uh, we're going to talk to Garrett Metcalf, too. Same thing. Garrett, um, you know, he battled weight issues, and he had a lot. Like, even at my own camp, which this, this upset me. I didn't know about it for a couple years. But one of my goalie coaches told Garrett, like, just quit, dude. Hockey's not for you. Either um, either start work. It was, it was Jordan Parisi. That's right. Jordan Jordan <laughs> Playing division one. Yeah. Jor, Jordan Perese says you got to hang on He says either he, well, and I think he, he th- I think he threw the gauntlet down. He's like, either start working or just quit because yeah. you're not working Sometimes, and you're wa- He's like you're wasting your dad's money. It's
0: a good wake up call, I guess. And, and maybe
2: that was that's it. Long. Maybe that. And so what I'm getting at is that we had these players. <laughs> most of our players that are good now were not good then. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's you two that were the tops of your age groups, and we t- there are other there are other kids that were, you know, talked about. But I know you're a you're '97, yeah. So in that '97 birth year, there was basically you and maybe Aenea's
0: mm-hmm. a '98, actually.
2: Oh yeah, he's Tegan's age. So in the '97s, I remember when when you guys were playing and, and you were when we we're with West Coast, whatever they call it at the time, Chatters. Regulated. Mm-hmm. We went through all the names. Yeah, When we went back to Nationals, you guys were the names that were on the on the score sheet. So you guys were the names that people were looking for. And Alex, it was the same, same with you as you were growing up. Did you f- ever feel pressure? Like, if I don't make it out of here, then I'm a flop. Did you ever feel that? Um No,
0: not necessarily. I think there's pressure if you do go out of state to do something. You know what I mean? But I think the worst thing you could have done is never leave and never try, you know? Yeah. I, you know, like, I heard a quote, I can't remember where it was, but it's like, people are afraid of the dark, but a man who's afraid of the light is way worse. And so I think, like, not even trying um, is kind of one thing. I never have felt pressured to be a flop, but I think it's important if you're having fun with hockey and you love it to just keep playing, you know? And I think that's... As far as I've seen, the people that are successful now, like Garrett and Brickley, it's it's never necessarily the best players at 12, 13. It's the players who love hockey
2: the most and w- yeah. want to get
0: better every day. And that's generally,
2: they just pan out. That's super advice. It's uh, f- it's funny because one of the uh, coaches that I always leaned back on for advice was J.P. Parisi. And... Uh, there was a time when I wasn't sure what to do with with Tegan because they wanted him at Shattuck St. Mary's at 13, 14 years old, mm-hmm. and I asked JP, I'm like, "What sh- what should I do? Should I have him? Should I pay? Should I figure out a way to pay the twenty, thirty grand a year to get him into Shattuck now?" And and JP's advice, and this is a guy that's put tons of guys into the NHL, probably and,
1: more than anyone else. Yeah, I would say <laughs> I
2: I would say he probably has put more than anybody else. Yeah. And he just said, "Look." It doesn't matter if your son just plays on the pond and doesn't play any kind of organization. As long as he's is, is if he's loving going to the rink every day, it doesn't matter if, if if it's at Shattuck or if it's you know at the pond in your backyard or whatever. He'll develop, and those opportunities will come. And I was like, that goes against everything else you're hearing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it makes yeah. sense too, right? You got to have passion for the game, and at some point, like with Garrett, it had to have clicked in. Right, because we couldn't we couldn't motivate him. I mean, maybe Jordan motivated him by being a dick. But <laughs> I mean, he shouldn't. Have, I don't think he should have said that to a twelve-year-old kid. Yeah. But whatever, something worked, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's that's huge advice. Just keep playing, keep having fun.
0: Yeah, like yeah. definitely just ignore all the politics of he plays here. We were talking we're, about this yeah, on the drive this. here. Just like it really doesn't matter where you play, um, as long as you can play, you'll you'll keep moving up. You, know what
2: I mean? yeah. Yeah. you have kids come from, you know, you guys are in the BC or wherever you're at, you still up end up NCAA Division One. We had a kid from the Ogden Mustangs go Division I last year. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, you know, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Exactly. Obviously,
2: some of it is being
1: in the right place at the right time and having a little bit of luck, but if you work hard. You'll make it.
0: Yeah, you'll get there. You'll get where you want to be. No pressure. I just know there's a lot of crazy hockey parents that are like, oh, my kid's got to go do this and spend money and do all this, and it's just not necessary, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it's super expensive. Yeah, And it, it's, it's easy to get caught in that trap. It's, as a parent, you feel like you're in a race. Also, if your kid doesn't even want to be playing
0: and you're forcing <laughs> it, you're, you're just wasting money.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, but, it, yeah, I've, and that's what I would, I've tried to tell parents that in the past. I've seen kids come through my goalie camp, and we charge 700 bucks for a week for goalie camp. And we're still one of the least expensive goalie camps around that's mm-hmm. that inclusive. And I see parents all the time sign their kids up and just...
0: Yeah, yelling at them from the stands. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he, it up.
2: I think you know we made that rule a couple of years. I don't know if you were on the ice, but we had parents leaning over during... They're just leaning over the because glass. Because of our mom? During. That's funny. <laughs> well, it just definitely kidding. wasn't because of your mom. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about sitting in the stands with, with your dad, though, is he just... Like, we sat in our corner and tried not to yell or say anything, and your dad would just come over and, like... of our conversation was hockey, and then 80% was just whatever else. And we just sat there and watched hockey and Mm -hmm. tried not to yell at our kids or the refs (laughs) or the other coaches or whatever. Yeah,
0: I feel like they actually did a really good job with us of just letting us play. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if this is something you want to do, then do it.
2: Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So I always like to say um, two of the questions I I like to ask, and I'm going to ask both is one, you've mentioned one player, but who, besides family members, helped you the most? Who made that, you know, that sacrifice for you that stood out as, I can go to this person to help me get to where I want to go? Purely from
1: a hockey standpoint? Are you asking that question? Because or life. I mean, either way.
2: Here's your, here's your chance to throw it. Yeah, I want to
1: say parents, but that's yeah. such a cliche answer. I'm going to switch it up. Just, well,
2: that's what I'm saying. You are... can't be family member. It can't be your oh, parents. can't be your... family member. Okay. Um... Like, is there a coach that was super helpful to you
1: guys? It either Ricard Gromberg or Lyle Bradley. Ooh. Living legend.
2: Yeah. So.
0: um, For me, it was one of my coaches at the Rampage, Andrew Sherman. Like, after I got cut from the Thunderbirds, he really took me in and said, like, this isn't, you know, like, it's not a big deal. Just keep working. Yeah. Kind of allowed me to realize that I could have a future in it and, um... After getting cut from a team that you think you're going to make it's kind of a big deal that you, you got someone there with you,
2: right, so were there any so th- weren't there other Utah players on the Thunderbirds when you were there um, or was that on the rampage, or were there, were there no other Utah players I then?
0: don't think there are any other Utah players okay was it Trescott on Trescott was on the rampage, but the year after i went
2: we've so. got he, he just got in town too we got to have him on too yeah he's just dead <laughs> yeah, we've got to listen to his story. Um, okay, and then the second question i like to ask is, okay, looking back, and you've kind of already done it, but I, what would you tell a 13-year-old Nick Halloran or Alex Halloran, what, what would you say now as advice? Looking, you're, you're older, you're wiser. What, we, what do you want to tell the Utah kids now? Hit the net. <laughs> Hit the net. <laughs> uh, no, just keep,
0: just keep working. Have fun with
2: it. Honestly, I, I think that's the huge part is have fun with it. For me, it's always been that way.
1: Yeah. You can't lose the perspective of why you started. Otherwise, you know, when it becomes a job and you're not, you're dreading going every day, you're just not going to perform well. So that's, that's a good one. You know, always keep that in sight, have fun. But, um, biggest thing is, you know, write your goals out and define what you want to do. And then that's step one. That's a plan. Work towards it. You'll get there and you don't need to leave. I don't know what the landscape of Utah hockey is right now, but Yeah, ten years ago, you could you could still play AAA here, travel, and still make it places. So don't feel like you have to go to you know another state to stand out or develop.
2: When I uh, when I put this out, when I we got the idea that we were going to have a podcast, and I put on Facebook, I'm like, hey, what would be the good name? What's what's a good name for a Utah hockey podcast? And uh, one of the guys, one of the former uh, West Coast coaches, said, call it the Road to Colorado. (laughs) because a lot of our best players have ended up in colorado right but i think i think now that the uh, times have changed and we've kind of had a reset it it seems like every 10 years somebody comes in and and resets it comes up with a defined plan of this is how we're going to make the kids better and i think you know i don't have any i don't have a horse in this race but uh, west coast seems to be doing that now they've put money in it they pulled all the bull crap out of it and they're keeping Utah players Let's going get, strong. That's good to hear. Yeah. So it seems like now that we have a we have a path to actually stay.
0: Yeah, that's like kind of the step one, write your goals out and like I think if you can get the best players in Utah to stay in Utah and then maybe start recruiting yeah. into Utah, I think that's a big step because generally some of the best players of Utah will travel out like I like right. I did at the time. Yeah and i think when you're losing the best players you're consistently losing to other teams
2: well so. and think about how good you guys would have been that that 97 98 team with you know the talent that you guys had yeah and then everybody left the next year like we we we, <laughs> we had a we had a deep run into nationals mm-hmm. um, yeah. at the tier 2 level yeah and imagine if those guys would have stayed here and developed and I, we've said this for years and years and years if if we could have just kept those players and and developed them here our Tier 2 team could have been a Tier 1 team and could have been competitive oh, because yeah. those kids went and were huge com, uh, contributors to those Tier 1 teams elsewhere.
0: Definitely. It so, only takes, like, four or five kids to really change a team. Yeah, you know?
2: and you have four or five Tier 1-level kids, and then they can bring everybody else up.
0: Exactly, and then it just kind of gets the
2: wrap-up for Utah from there. So hopefully that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, let hope.
2: So, Alex, you're done. You've done the military
1: yeah, I'm done. You, I, and I also haven't been on skates in five years. So.
2: Well, it's time. Isn't that crazy? It's yeah, time. Isn't it I time?
1: Know. We were just talking about it the other day. You, yep.
2: So what, what's the deal with that?
1: Well, my my career, unfortunately, was plagued with injuries. And another thing I would tell those 13-year-olds out there is stretch. Stretch every day yeah. because I had so many injuries. Tore my MCL, my PCL, my LCL on both legs. Like I was just a huge bandage. So
2: stretch, stretch. Are you
1: ready to start skating now? I need double knee replacement, but then I'll be ready. Yeah. Well, they make fancy braces now. I know I have to. They're just, uh, your- they really just uh, <laughs> are cumbersome and limit your movement. But
2: I'll just, I, I blew my left MCL um, okay. a few years ago. And I just remember it went right. To, the first thing through my head was I, I thought about all those other players that I'd seen, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> having just to come rest. out and stretch yeah. and put on the brace. And then I, I had the brace on for a year under my gear, man. It's tough, right? Those knees, yeah. yeah. It's just it's it's heartbreaking. But okay, well, um, I just want to thank you guys both. And um, you've got a couple more years coming up. How's how's the season going this year, Nick?
0: Ah, uh, it's it's going all right. We've I think. Not gotten a couple bounces, and um, I think the second half's gonna be a good, good stretch for us. But I think we're like five hundred right now, so
2: we're doing all right. Yeah. yeah, that's good. You guys are in a
0: tough conference. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you
1: play the number one, number two, and every, like number three. Yeah, it's hard to rank teams in a row. It's kinda, yeah. But
0: yeah. we have a good team. I think we're going around here.
2: Yeah, it's we occasionally get to watch some of those games. Occasionally they're on TV here, and it's always fun to watch. And uh, I don't know. I just want to. Wish you the best luck, and, and hopefully that, uh, you know, as as your career continues, you get those bounces that you're looking for, and uh, love to see you on that Hobie Baker list again. Oh, yeah. Bounce Let's right help.
1: down LA afterwards.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Cool. You might as uh, Just follow the, <laughs> the you Utah went, guys. U- Utah to Colorado. <laughs> you might as well go to Colorado to the freaking NHL. Go play for the Kings like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Super easy. All right, well. <laughs> Yeah, super easy. Write your goals. <laughs> stretch. <laughs> do you have Do you have that written down? I'm going to play for the LA Kings and I'm going to stretch. I'm going to write that goal. I need to start stretching more. All right, Alex and Nick, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Um, it's It's important for us to hear these stories and hear how you guys you know made it in hockey, and it's It's important for us to celebrate you guys and and just take a minute to thank you guys and tell you that we appreciate what you've done and and helping Utah hockey and putting us on the map a little bit more and uh Alex, it's just it's amazing. I can't believe you're already done with your commitment, uh, and uh, a, an awesome degree. Thanks. I mean, hockey got you an amazing degree.
1: It did. I'm very thankful for that.
2: So. And Nick, what's your major? Economics. Economics. Yeah. Are you going to be an accountant? <laughs> I
1: don't know. Hopefully, a hockey player.
2: But. <laughs> <laughs> a hockey player that knows how to spend your money and save your money. That's <laughs> yeah, smart. Exactly. We need some of those too. All right, well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an amazing story, and thank you for telling it with us. And uh, coming up next on the next episode of the Utah Puck Report, we're going to have Mason Manik, who gave up the opportunity to play NCAA hockey and and accepted that spot in the WHL. So I'm going to pick his brain about that because I was all over his dad. Don't go dub, don't go dub, (laughs) don't go dub. I'm super proud of the kid, but I, I wanted to see him play college hockey too. So uh, if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you subscribe. We've got the KSL Sports app. It's easy. Just download that, and you can you know follow all the sports, the Utah Jazz, all, everything that KSL covers, and you can also find our podcast right there. You can text the word PUCK to 57500, 5, and that will get you subscribed as well. And uh, that's it. Nick, Alex, thanks again for coming, and we'll see you next week on the Utah Puck Report. All right. Thank you, Jay.
0: Yeah, thanks, Jay.